look as he walked. Those who worship the Lord, worship in spirit and truth. Those who say that they know him must walk as he walked. He is the way and the truth, and in him a man is alive. If we obey his word, Walk in the light, He is the way and the truth, and in Him is the life. If we obey His word, then we walk in the light. If we say that we know Him, but we don't keep his word, then we walk in the darkness, and the truth's not in us. If we walk in the light, we will have fellowship sweet, and the blood of Jesus will cleanse us from sin. He is the way and the truth, and in Him everybody. How's everybody doing this morning? Good to be with you. We're in Luke chapter 8. This is our third session uh, in Luke chapter 8. Today we're considering true family uh, and transforming faith. And uh, that's what comes up in the verses that we'll be discussing today. Uh, It is always my prayer that you will be stimulated to Live as a follower of Jesus, live robustly as a follower of Jesus, and also to help others do the same, and then to help them help others do the same, to make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. That is the goal uh, and the point and the purpose of why we do this daily discipleship broadcast. Discipleship means to follow after. And uh, to help someone else follow after disciple making is is helping others do the same and then reproduce the same. So, you know, I I would say to you, uh, into whose life are you reproducing? 
And uh, some of you, you might say, well, I've got family members. I'm trying to reproduce into their lives, plant seeds and uh, send the light uh, into their lives. Some of you might say neighbors. Uh, some of you could say friends. Some of you could say medical personnel. Um, whether it's your own doctors and nurses or people with whom you work. Some of you might say uh, students in a school. Uh, but hopefully every one of us can say, hey, I've got somebody that I'm trying to pour into their life. And um, that's the goal. So let's pick up here in uh, Luke chapter 8. We are down at verse 19. This is one of the longer chapters, and uh, so that's hence why we are this far into it and uh, in the third broadcast now. Luke chapter 8, verse 18, where we're picking up. Jesus' mother and brothers, his literal, physical mother and brothers, Mary and those siblings that Jesus had, it says that they came to see him, but they were not able to get near him because of the crowd. So they came to see. In fact, in some ways, they maybe came to uh, deliver him from the press of the people or even to say, Jesus, what are you doing? Uh, you're acting a little bit crazy uh, because other passages tend to indicate that they think maybe he was acting a little bit more out of beyond what he should have been acting. But it says this in this text. It says, someone told him, your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to see you. And they're thinking that uh, Jesus would be saying, okay, well, let them in. But notice what Jesus does in this. He takes the opportunity to um, teach, to provide an object lesson, to challenge people in their faith. Again, verse 20, someone told him, your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to see you. But he replied, my mother and brothers are those who hear God's word and put it into practice. Those are my mother and my brothers. That's who it is. Um, there's kind of a movement, uh, at least in some circles, to uh, dis our families or to distance ourselves from our flesh and blood families. Uh, and kind of a movement among some people, I don't know, movement might be too strong a word, but some people have taken up the notion anyway. Uh, and, and I understand it, that, you know, I am, I'm not going to spend time in my flesh and blood family when I have other people who invest far more into my life. Now, that's a rather strong statement to make, but there's a little bit of that that we can see here in what Jesus has to say. Now, Jesus, I'm sure, loved his mother and loved his brothers, but he was trying to make a point that my family is larger than just my mom and my brothers and my sisters. Uh, my family is all of you. My family uh, is the household of faith. My family is those who... Uh, will follow after me. My family is those who will do God's word and put it into practice. Now, what I was referencing here uh, momentarily uh, or a moment ago uh, was some, it doesn't have to do with faith necessarily, but it has to do with investment. You know, we will spend time with the people that we enjoy spending time with because they're fun to be around, because uh, we do mutual things together. And 
because uh, they, they don't make us feel repressed or, or uh, they don't tear us down or you can fill in the blank of all the reasons why people would say we're choosing these other people other than our flesh and blood family. Now, personally, in, in some instances, not all, but in some, in fact, I would maybe say most instances, I, I think that can be short-sighted. Uh, we have been given a biological family, uh, and sometimes your biological family isn't all that bad. Uh, so spend time with him. Uh, doesn't mean that you're going to spend all your time with him necessarily. I had biological family. Uh, my brother, uh, when I was still a teenager and young in my faith, my brother wanted, wanted at that point nothing to do with God. Uh, was older. He was out of the house. So, I mean, it, it, it wasn't like I was living with this brother. But he was rather harsh uh, about my faith and, and ridiculed and uh, uh, spoke diminutively and uh, disparagingly about my faith and, and with all kinds of swear words and cuss words and so on. And, you know, but yet he was still my brother. Uh, we didn't necessarily always opt to spend time together. We, we, in the fall, uh, the year, November, uh, November into December, that was hunting season for deer season in Pennsylvania. We would hunt deer together and have food together. And I didn't just say, well, I'm not going to have anything to do with him because, you know, he's disparaging my faith. No. Uh, yet he wasn't also the first person I chose to spend time with. Now, as we both got older, of course, he passed away. What's it been? Has it been two years already? Has it was not a year, it's two years. Well, since he's passed away. And um later in life we did spend more time together. When I went back to Pennsylvania, you know, rather than going and seeing all my Christian friends, I went and saw my biological family. Why? Because they had a burden for their souls. Uh, and yet I would also tell you on the other side of the equation, my spiritual family for 43 years has been the most important aspect of family to me. Uh, those that are part of my church family uh, and both my small C church, local church family, as well as the broader church uh, in many ways have had a, a greater uh, importance in my life because we shared the commonality of Jesus. We shared the commonality of the faith together and because of that, uh, I, I, in, in some ways, I, I would relate with what Jesus is saying here. Uh, who would I choose? I mean, if it came down, push come to shove, and, you know, we had to make faith-based decisions, and my, if I had some of my family who was were harshly against my faith decisions, I would choose my family of faith. Again, Jesus says here in this passage, my mother and brothers are those who hear God's word and put it into practice. Spinning this in a positive way, maybe not spinning it, but viewing it from a positive direction, I mean, to think about the fact that we have this wonderful worldwide family. I mean, I've got brothers and sisters in the Palestinian area. I have uh, uh, brothers and sisters in Pakistan. That's the word I was reaching for. I have brothers and sisters in South Sudan. I have brothers and sisters in India. 
I have brothers and sisters in Finland. I have brothers and sisters in Brazil and Mexico and Costa Rica and Honduras. And, you know, fill, you can fill in the blank. And I'm, I'm speaking of countries where there are actually people that I know there. I mean, I could say um, Czech Republic. I could say uh, Australia. I could say New Zealand. I mean, I could go to lots of places. Uh, and it's wonderful to think of the fact that we have this worldwide church family. Now, having said that, I want to also encourage us to not ignore our local church family. There are some who say, well, I don't, I don't need that. Yes, you do. And what happens sometimes is there are people who want uh, all the benefits of the Christian family without investing themselves in the Christian family. And I would encourage you, if you're one of those people, to in, to invest in the church. Be a part. That's all you got to do is be a part. Show up. You can sit in the back row and, you know, hide in the crowd somewhere. Um, but people around you will love on you and let them be the people who reach out to you. Uh, let them be a family to you in all that you go through. I mean, even this morning, I just was reading some. People really going through some struggles. Look, I, I can't be the one to meet all those needs. Uh, you need a church family. And like Jesus says here in verse 21, my mother and brothers are those who hear God's word and put into practice. Go to those who hear God's word and uh, let them be involved in your life and let them uh, be the ones that help you and encourage you and strengthen you uh, in your life. The church of God, the family of God, uh, reaching into your life and, and bringing you help and encouragement and strength in, in all of those things, the family of God. Isn't it wonderful to think of the family? I mean, I, just looking here, I mean, I have Dinah Kay. I'm looking over in, in the comments. Uh, Fran, um, Walter, uh, Don, Steve and Donna. Uh, I I don't know who all else is necessarily listening in this morning, if you haven't said good morning. Um, But I've got family all over the place. Uh, Jay Jay Thompson, uh, family all over the place. We have the family of God. And so we, we lean in on the family of God for encouragement, for strength, for help. But again, who is the family of God? Jesus gave these parameters. Jesus said, my mother and brothers are those who hear God's word and put it into practice. Now, for anybody just jumping in, I, I just want to clarify that, that what we're talking about is not necessarily completely distancing ourselves from our biological family, although, although. I also want to come another direction and say sometimes that is a necessity. Sometimes we do need to pull ourselves away. If you live in a highly destructive, again, all these terms bear definition. What does it mean to be highly destructive? But if you live in a highly destructive uh, family environment, you may need to distance yourself from your biological family. Uh, you know, if you live in a family where there there's drugs and alcohol and abuse and those things, you may need to distance yourself from, from that family. But the wonderful thing is for the believer in Jesus, for the follower of Jesus, for the, the person who's living a life of discipleship, following 
the teacher, following the rabbi, following Jesus, we have a family that can encourage you, that can strengthen you, that can help you, that can come alongside. Now, again, I also want to say you have to do your part. Uh, I mean, if you sit in your house and say, well, my church doesn't come do anything for me, my question to you would be, are you engaged enough that they would even realize that, that you have needs? Uh, Jesus didn't meet all the needs. His disciples didn't even meet all the needs, but uh, disciples, those 12 or 72 or 84 who were around him, uh, but as the church grew, they met one another's needs, and that's a wonderful thing that you can read over in Acts chapter 2, how the uh, the family of God met the needs. In fact, let me let me just take us over there real fast and show you that it wasn't just the apostles, it was the uh, the church of God, the believers, the followers of Jesus uh, meeting each other's needs. Uh, down at the end of Acts chapter 2, it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, study of Scripture, uh, which we have in our day. They didn't have the Bible in their day. I mean, some of what we now study wasn't even written yet. Uh, so they devote themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, which is a correct uh, translation. There is a definite article there. It's talking with my Greek prof about this yesterday, and there is a definite article. It's the fe- so it isn't just devoting themselves to having fellowship, having donuts and coffee together, to the fellowship. That is uh, the koinonia, that is... Uh, Te koinonia, and what that means is the local assembly. So they were devoted to the apostles' teaching. They were devoted to the local assembly. They were devoted to the breaking of bread uh, and to prayer. In fact, it says in, in the original language, to the prayers is the how the Greek literally would translate to the prayers. So they were dedicated to those things. But then it goes on and says everyone was filled with awe, many wonders, miraculous signs were done by the apostles. They were prayerful. They were looking to God to, to be at work, and he was. It says all the believers were together and everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. And I, I believe this breaking of bread is the idea of eating meals together. I believe the earlier breaking of bread in verse 42 is reference to communion. That's my personal interpretation of that. Um, And I think there's some linguistic reasons for that conclusion. But it says, Every day they continue to meet together in temple courts. They broke bread in their homes, ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God, enjoying the favor of all the people. The Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. You could go over to chapter 4 and read similar how they were meeting each other's needs. They were taking care of each other's. But but you need to know that every day they were getting together. Uh, it wasn't like they got together for an hour on Sunday only. They met on a regular basis. So I want to encourage you, if, if you're not meeting with other believers, if you're not even making it to a Sunday, uh, to, to a worship, uh, or you're not involved in a small group, uh, and yet you want your church to take care of you, you must also do your part and uh, uh, be engaged enough so that people can know you and people can love on you and 
You know, if, if you are a woman, you need to have some women loving on you uh, in, in the appropriate ways. Uh, men, there are things sometimes men we need to share. And I realize our day that that's all convoluted in our day. But, uh, you know, don't ask me to come to your home uh, if, if you're a woman. I, I may do that. Uh, but call on women. Call on each other. We, we have this wonderful church family uh, into whom we can lean, as we've been reading here uh, in Luke chapter 8, down where Jesus addresses who is his mother and brothers. Now, let's, let's press a little further into the text here. It says, one day Jesus said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side of the lake. So this is the Lake Gennesaret, we would also call it the Sea of Galilee, the, the one and the same. So they got into the boat and set out. They sailed, and he fell asleep. I mean, it's just some distance across uh, the Sea of Galilee. So a squall came down on the lake, and it can happen very quickly on the Sea of Galilee that squalls just, bam, they're there. It says, so so much so that the boat was being swamped, and they were in great danger. Now, what's Jesus doing? Jesus is asleep. I mean, he is that pressed, that tired, he's asleep. It says, the disciples went and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we're going to drown. It says, he got up and rebuked the wind and the raging waters. The storm subsided and all was calm. And he says to them, where is your faith? He asked his disciples. In fear and amazement, they said to one another, who is this? He commands even the winds and water, and they obey him. Jesus' ability to calm the storm. Uh, and out of this, I mean, he he says in verse 25, where's your faith? Am I not with you? Uh, out of this, we see that the Lord isn't going to keep us from going through storms. We're still going to experience storms. And, and maybe not like rain and winds, although we've experienced plenty of those of late. But to experience the storms of life that, that will hit. What's what's the conclusion in reading just simply this section is we need to trust him. He is not going to allow us to drown. Uh, we just need to keep trusting him. We trust him through the storm. We trust him for his provision. Trust is a hard thing to come to, is it not, sometimes? I'm trying to learn to live there more and more as I get older. You know, uh, uh, the, the needs that are there. Learning to trust him as we walk with him, as we trust in him, as we are yielded to him, as we are submitted to him, as we're serving him, uh, to trust in what he will do on our behalf. Now, that doesn't mean that we go out and spend money foolishly and say, well, God's just going to provide. No, I mean, we need to be wise with our money. I mean, speaking on the money front, um, but we are called to a life of faith. We are called to a life of trust in him. So what storm are you going through right now? Jesus says to you two words, trust me. What difficulty are you facing right now? Jesus says, trust me. What shortfall are you experiencing right now? Jesus says, trust me. Trust in him. I mean, look at what he did. He calmed the winds and the waves so much so that the disciples said, uh, he said, uh, 
he says to his disciples, where is your faith? And says, in fear and amazement, they ask one another, who is this? He commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. What can he do for you? Now, we need to have a transforming faith. I want to finish out this morning, and I I may end up having to extend a little bit uh, longer than typical 30 minutes uh, just to get through this section of Scripture. says, they sailed through the region of the Gerasenes, uh, which is across the lake from Galilee. And and I've been there. It says, when Jesus stepped ashore, he was met by a demon-possessed man uh, from the town. For a long time, this man had not worn clothes or lived in a house, but had lived among the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell at his feet, shouting at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I beg you, don't torture me. And these are the demons speaking. It says, For Jesus had commanded the evil spirit to come out of the man. Many times it seized him, and though he was chained hand and foot and kept under guard, he had broken his chains, the supernatural power of demons, and had been driven by the demon into solitary places. Jesus asked him, What is your name? Legion, he replied, because many demons had gone into him. It says, And they begged him, they, the demons, begged him, Jesus, not to order them uh, to go into the abyss. And there's a lot that I can, maybe we'll come back to this tomorrow. We'll see. It says, A large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. The demons begged Jesus to let them go into them, and he gave them permission. When the demons came out of the man, they went into the pigs, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and was drowned. Then those tending the pigs saw what happened. They ran off and reported this in the town of the countryside, and all the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they found the man from whom the demon had, demons had gone out, sitting at Jesus' feet, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Now, I, I could pause right here. Think of the, the earlier description of the man. This man uh, could break chains. Uh, this man, uh, especially if you go over to the Mark passage, the parallel Mark passage, it talks about he would cut himself with sharp stones. So he was a cutter. He, he had been in bondage to chains. He would break the chains. Uh, he, he was tormented. Uh, he lived out in the tombs and in solitary places. Uh, people were afraid of him. Uh, they couldn't subdue him. All these things, he was possessed of many demons But look at what Jesus did to this man here in verse 35. Here's the man from whom the demons had gone. He was sitting at Jesus' feet. He wasn't running around like a crazy man. Secondly, he is no longer naked, but he is dressed. The Mark passage makes clear that he was naked. Uh, And then the third thing that we realize here is that he was in his right mind. Earlier, he was out of his mind. Now he is in his right mind. Jesus Christ transforms people's lives. We need to believe it. We need to believe in the power of the gospel. Last night, I was in one of our classes over in Fayette listening to our professor and, and just so passionately I mean, it was a sermon, in some ways more than a a lesson, uh, talking about the power of God and what God can do in the life of a person. He will transform. And and the professor professor was teaching on, on logic and conclusions and things like that, but he said, you know, faith goes beyond logic. 
what God can do goes beyond logic. We, we, we can't simply always just apologize, apologetic, uh, people into the faith. We can't just rationalize people into the faith. Uh, it takes the work of the Holy Spirit, but when the Holy Spirit works, incredible things can happen like happened to this man. I will testify. God does incredible things in, in people's lives when we yield to him. This man was yielding. The demons didn't want to yield, but this man yielded, and his life was transformed. Friends, the gospel can transform people. Do you believe that? Are you willing to share the, the, the life-transforming power with, of the gospel with people who need to hear it? So verse 35, and I'll, I'll just finish this section. Verse 35, the people found this man sitting at Jesus' feet. He was under control before he was out of control. He was dressed before he was naked. Uh, he's in his right mi- mind before he was out of his mind. It says the people were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people how the demon-possessed man had been cured. Then all the people of the region of the Gerasenes asked Jesus to leave them because they were overcome with fear. So he got into the boat and left. The man whom the demons had gone out and begged to go with uh, the man from whom the demons had gone out begged to go with him. But Jesus sent him away saying, return home and tell how much God has done for you. So the man went away and told over, uh, told all over town how much Jesus had done for him. Now, some of the other parallel passages uh, we'll make it clear that he did this in a whole region of villages. Uh, this says the town, uh, Mark talks about into the Decapolis, the area of the ten towns, the ten cities. Uh, in fact, we believe that the, this this man is responsible for the gathering of the 4,000. Remember, Jesus fed the 5,000, he fed the 4,000. Uh, we believe that, that this man influenced 4,000 people to come out and hear Jesus. It was this man who did this. That, that is, that, that is uh, a, a view that, that some who study the Gospels would say, Jesus sent this man back. Now, yeah, the man was right. He wanted to go be with Jesus. But, but Jesus knew that God was going to work in this man's in a, life in a greater way and that many, many more people would come to faith as the result of this one man's transformed life. Well, we have a wonderful family, the family of God. Uh, We can have a transforming faith. Jesus Christ transforms people's lives. We need to believe it. We need to let him transform our own lives, make changes in our own lives, but then also think about what he can do in the lives of other people as we sow the seeds of the gospel and send the light of the gospel that we talked about yesterday. Would you just trust God to use you? You might say, I don't know what to say. The Holy Spirit will give you what to say. Trust him. Just open your mouth for Jesus uh, and, and let the Lord work in your life, and you might just be absolutely amazed what he does in and through your life. I just I want to just highlight one comment uh, that is made here in the comment section. I think I can pull this up and share it uh, if you can read it. Uh, I'm working with a, a person possessed, addicted with drugs, teaching or preaching Jesus Christ is the first step to redemption and being free of their addiction. He can and will help. That is true. This is where faith-based, uh, it isn't drug treatment, it's deliverance is what it is. 
and uh, helping people learn to live as disciples, what what a difference that will make in their lives. And, and that's where it starts. Uh, the the secular the secular system falls short because it doesn't offer Jesus. One of the best in the area, uh, up in Bangor, run by the Calvary Chapel, up in the Bangor area, one of the best places here in the state of Maine that someone could be sent. It's going to cost some money to get them involved, and it's going to take a long time. I think it's eight months to a year in program. But I'll tell you, uh, if you want to see their life change, it, it, it's the much better way to go than, than any of the secular programs that are devoid of the spiritual aspect uh, in life. Friends, we've got a great family. Uh, we've got a great father. Uh, we can be transformed by a, a real faith. May that be our prayer. Lord, help us. Help us to sow seeds. Help us to send the light. Help, our, help us to embrace our global family. Uh, and help us, Lord, to have uh, an unshakable faith that trusts you in the storms of life. We pray for those that struggle with things like the addictions that uh, Fran has mentioned here in the comments. Lord, we pray also for the families and fellow soldiers of, of those three fallen uh, in Jordan uh, whose names were announced yesterday. Father, hear our prayer. Hear our prayer. There's more comments here. Uh, let me let me read this. Uh, coming from Jay Thompson, I was called over the weekend to cast demons from a young man. I'd never done it, but I went and he was delivered. However, I'm still struggling to believe. That's when I realized I needed discipling more. I only went because I saw it in Scripture, but my faith definitely wasn't there. In fact, while it was happening, I was praying for faith. And exactly. And as we take those steps... As we take those steps, we'll grow in our faith. We will see God work, and we will grow in our faith. We don't have to have it all wrapped up. We don't have to have it all figured out. Um, we don't. We take one step of faith, and then another step of faith, and another step of faith, and watch Jesus work. Well, friends, have a great day walking in faith today, trusting in what the Lord will do in our lives, and among our family as we trust in him. See you tomorrow.